Welcome to episode three of The Britico. I'm here with the lovely man. We'll be talking women, women in society. I don't know, we'll get into it. Um, and to caveat for those, hopefully I won't disappoint, this is not a men are trash episode. I'm hoping to take it a bit of a different angle and kind of speak on maybe how women perpetuate, like, I don't want to say suffering, <laughs> but su- suffering. Um each other so yeah I think I'm just gonna get straight into it and start with what do you think the role that like culture and tradition plays in like I guess sort of like stifling women I think it does to uh, like an extent it definitely does I mean culture and society both play mm. a part I think in um progress um like in perpetuating a misogynistic agenda mm. um for sure, in the way that, for example, society is set up is predicated on like the subordination of women. Like that's just the way it is. Like yeah. we live in a misogynistic society. Yeah. Same way, loads of cultures all over the world have parts of their like parts of the parts of all the different cultures around the world mm. also perpetuate misogyny and um basically the suffering of women in loads of different ways so I think that it does play a massive role in the way women are treated both like in the public sphere but also in the private sphere in the homes in relationships and things like that yeah and I think for me personally I think like my like the only times that I really come face to face with misogyny is not very much in the public sphere as much as it is in the private Mm -hmm. sphere like I feel like if I ever feel stifled or held back or um, my intentions or my um, choices are questioned it's always people around me that do that rather than um, me um, experiencing like you know not being paid as much as I mean of course like pay gap stuff like that does affect women too but I think that in our day-to-day lives every day like what we're experiencing is um misogyny from like the people around us more so than yeah because I think that's the the bigger picture thing yeah because one of the things I've been thinking about like I went to um a talk and someone was saying something like tradition itself is not harmful no how did she say she was like tradition itself is not a bad thing but when it's used as a weapon against women Mm -hmm. that's when it's really bad and I've been thinking a lot especially like over the past year I think of Nigerian I'm saying Nigerian culture but I guess I'm speaking more from like a Yoruba perspective because that's what I know and sort of like the little like the little but really harmful ways that like tradition and culture is like I genuinely think actually suppresses women and I don't know if I should say that's more of like a post-colonial Nigerian culture or pre like Mm -hmm. if it's running throughout or I think there's this whole thing about how like like religion is sex with tradition and culture and it's all mixed together and you can't separate yeah you can't can't separate them but yeah yeah, like and I think for me that's like mostly seen in that you know a woman a woman is not a woman until she's married and has a child Mm mm-hmm and like for me, I find that like it's like a personal affront because I'm like your identity is wrapped up in like motherhood and like your ability to like give birth, which I find really weird because it doesn't make space for women who don't want children. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make space for women who can't have children. Doesn't make space for women who don't want to get married. Like there are plenty of women who are in like committed relationships and not married and are happy, and some who don't want that and mm. it's okay but it's like you're not really a woman until you fulfilled that yeah like you don't become a complete version of yourself until you're married and you have children yeah yeah and then what i find really interesting that is like once you've done that like then your identity 
is so it's like you're not a woman until that's happened and then that happens but then it's like you're not even seen as yourself you're just seen as like mrs so-and-so and like in like yoruba culture for example like you could enter the room and they'll refer to you as like the mother of so mm-hmm. i'll be like yeah and then the person's name like you're that person's mother i'm yeah. like i have a name call me my name mm-hmm. like i don't know i think that's something that i've been like thinking about i don't know if that's actually more i don't know if it's more or just as like dangerous as when we think about mis- misogyny we think of like what men do to women but yeah. i think actually like what's the sort of it sounds really abstract to be like culture and tradition and stuff but i think also like women perpetuate that yeah but the thing with women perpetuating is an internalized misogyny is women who are obviously older like your your mothers or your grandmothers your aunties who have internalized those ideas as well when they were younger that this is how they were treated and they've internalized that and they feel like now we have to like perpetuate that most of the time i think misogynistic practices are like for it to work for the system to work like women have to be perpetuating it too do you know what I mean Mm. things like for example in my culture like FGM is a massive problem but when you look at like who actually performs these um like mutilations is women you never it's never a man that comes and like does it to a a little girl it's always Mm. a woman and even the people that suggest that you get it done it's always a woman it's like an older woman in your family like either your mom or your grandma it's like oh you know it's your time obviously it doesn't really happen with my generation but definitely in my mum's and my grandma's generation the people that perpetuated it were women Mm. but then at the same time the expectation was that it was for men so Mm, it wasn't something that women did for other women for us to share with each other it was a way to prepare a young girl for marriage basically it's a way to obviously stifle a woman's sexual activity to kind of make sex into a painful and traumatic thing so that she doesn't have sex before marriage so she preserves her virginity for marriage but then who are we preserving virginity for like who is this for do you know what i mean who are we we doing this for it's for men it's like oh you know if you there's this idea like oh if you're not a cut woman like this is not from our generation as i said it's like older women and like from a while back now but there was this idea that oh if you haven't had it done you're not like eligible for marriage like no man is gonna marry you like do you know I mean, yeah, like, can I pick up upon a point with that actually? Because this is quite you like I know of FGM and stuff just because like working with charity sector and stuff and like certain charities that I know that like kind of advocate to end the practice and stuff. But is it a thing? So for example, say a young girl doesn't have it done, mm-hmm. does that reflect badly on like the mother and grandmother and stuff? Or like the family? Or yeah, is it just like reflects- how private and how public is the whole like FGM? I know it happens, but it's like do people question it's like has she had it done yet is it yeah, like, I a, mean, it's like almost a rite of passage i know that's a bad is, way to say it but you know unfortunately I mean? it is a rite of passage for a lot of girls yeah. um i haven't had any personal experience with it because yeah. as i said like the somali community has done a lot over the past 20 to 30 years to eradicate the practice yeah and to really educate people on how destructive and the fact that it, first of all is illegal is not islamic it's um mm. traumatic it's uh, harmful physically emotionally all those things like so we've done a lot to eradicate the practice so i personally haven't come into contact with anyone questioning me about it but definitely when i speak to my mom when i speak to my grandma it was something that was very public like you knew Mm. who had it done and who didn't have it done mainly because of age like there was this idea that when you get to a certain age when you're around 10 11 9 10 like around that time that was the time that it happened and my mom told me 
like in school, little girls would ask other little girls, like same way that, for example, if you think about little girls growing up now, like they might ask their friend, oh, have you seen this video on YouTube? Or, or have you bought this like video game or whatever it is? Like at the time, people would ask you like, oh, have you had it done? Have you had it done? Wow. And if you were a little girl and you told your friends, I haven't had it done, they'd kind of be a bit like, oh, like what are you waiting for kind of thing? Really? It was kind of, because it was so common. Yeah. It was so common yeah. that everyone had it done. It was almost like minimized, like, I don't think that at the time people even realised, like, I mean, obviously I think, I mean, I can't really speak for individuals who have, because I haven't had it done, so yeah. I can never speak for other people. But yeah. I think it was so normalised in our community that it was just a rite of passage. It's just what happened when you mm. get up to a certain age, like you had this procedure, procedure done and that's what took you from being a little girl into being a woman mm. who's preparing herself for oh, marriage and for yes. child bearing and okay. all those other things yeah. that, you know so actually that's another thing that, something you've said that's triggered me as well where this whole idea of like you know girl to woman mm-hmm. and like what the weird sort of no evidential based of you know there's like no evidence or nothing based on like giving a specific age to what womanhood is mm-hmm. like I find that really I don't know it's just one of those things that I'm like you know it's like 9, 10, 11 it's like okay these are the like why is it that that's the time that you'd start prepping probably because that's I mean not I'm again, not even saying not in your community everyone. just general I yeah think no that's for general I think generally I think maybe that's around the same that's the time that um, girls start their periods yeah you know what I mean true. and that's obviously a very formative part like if you yeah. are someone who get like because not, not every woman menstruates like it's yeah a normal thing now to understand that not everyone gets their period at all but like when you think about like very quote-unquote like typical like girlhood is like it's a formative part of your girlhood like oh you know you start your period yeah it kind of feels like your body is like moving into a different phase yeah like fate like like womanhood is being kicked into gear yeah um so maybe that's the same time yeah it makes sense yeah scary though because i just think like the thought of so I understand that whole, like, you know, kind of puberty hits and period comes, all of that. But I guess it's the idea that, like, because of that, you know, because people, you know, they start the periods as young as, like, 10 and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of, I think it's scary to be, like, your womanhood has started because of this thing. When yeah. I'm, like, actually, if you think, like, mentally, and, like, besides that, like, physically, your body and stuff, like, you are still a girl. Like, you are still forming, yeah. like, into, you know, what being a woman Because, like, development doesn't is. end until, like, you're in your 20s, really. Exactly. I don't know. I think it's just one of those things that I've been. But yeah, it's like this about. idea, it's... I guess, that people have that one. Once you get your period, you know, you're old enough to have children at this point. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you are a quote unquote like you're like old enough, like you're yeah. of age. Like it's the same time that you know, like you start to grow boobs. If yeah. that's what happens, like your body shape changes. Um, I don't know. Like it's just loads of things happen around that time yeah. in your life that like kind of gives off the impression that you are of age and like yeah. now you're like we're like yeah. your innocence or like your girlhood has kind of been lost in that yeah 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 i don't know like and one of the other things sort of so the reason i asked that previous question about like does it reflect badly on like mothers or grandmothers like say mm-hmm. the fgm procedure hasn't been done yeah. on a girl in the family and stuff mm-hmm. is because one of the other things that i've been thinking of and i think like i've seen like not so much with me but i think i've seen like with other friends and like other sort of maybe like more extended family and stuff is like I I personally do think there is a thing there where like the older generation of or there is an older generation of women who I think are quite resentful 
to our generation, especially like within the diaspora, that are able that we have that mix of like tradition and culture, but then also like Western. I don't want to say ideals, maybe like Western ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. And that mixture means that like we have an independence in a way that we like live our lives that maybe they couldn't have. And I feel like, you know, when it's sort of like, oh, I'm not ready to get married yet. I don't want to have kids yet. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Like we're frowned upon for being able to make those decisions. Yeah, I know what you mean. But like even in the West though, like even in like, for example, the UK or like Western Europe in general, America, like women from like, Two generations ago and women now are completely different. Yeah, you know? And like true. even like when we think about like white women, like the, yeah. what they're doing now and what they were doing like even twenty years ago is not yeah, the that's same. True. Like so it's not I don't think it's just a particularly like African thing. Um obviously mm. like we can only speak from our experiences, yeah. but I think it's like a global thing where yeah. like women from before, mm. like kind like older women might not really 100% understand what younger women the choices that they're not really seeing the sense in the choices that we're making for to them like they're not sensible choices because it's there weren't really choices that were open to them or even yeah. if they were like they had so much more to lose I think which yeah. we don't have to lose like because obviously society has changed as well like yeah. I think the choices that like women like our age can make now like we have less to lose by making those choices. Like yeah. we can say to, we can say something like, oh, you know, we're like we're not gonna like get married until we're in our thirties because yeah. like we don't want to. Um They're like, What? Exactly. What do you mean? What kind and of I choice? Think is that that? At the time, and back you don't in the want I think to? like for for women who are from like previous generations, to them, like because of the way the work 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 working world was set up and mm. everything, like if they got married early, then that meant that they had the security of a home, they had the security yeah. of like a, a another an income, mm. like because like the man that they're marrying is also bringing money home, mm. like they felt like oh you know this is basically a way for us to then like just be mothers and take care of our children if that's what you want to do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But because maybe as we're growing up, like our priorities are different. Yeah it's taken a bit of time for them to catch up, maybe. Yeah. I mean, and I think we're also, like, functioning in a different society. Like, yeah. A lot of women and men, like, we just don't have that financial security that yeah, they have. Exactly. In the sense of, like, the the economy is different for us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Like, it's... I think it's we're navigating a completely different world, but I think that's the thing where I've been thinking that sort of, you know, it's the, it's the odd sly comment that it's... That I think, like, I'm like, is it... Is it a jealousy? Is it a resentment? Or is it just a lack of understanding of, like, we live two very different lives? Like, we're living in two very different ages. Yeah. Like, I think there's, like, a massive difference between our generation and the generation above us in comparison mm-hmm. to the generation above us and generation before them. Mm-hmm. I feel like they still had to do walk quite similar lines and sort of, like, you get married, you pop out a kid in your mid-20s mm-hmm. and, like... And people are still doing that. And yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I just think... like you said we have more choice and I've just been thinking that like so the reason I say that actually is you know you know when we're talking about like you know the struggles that women go through and like misogyny and all of that and then you know motherhood and you know being a wife I think a lot of the pressure comes from older women yeah like I think it doesn't I I think that's why I just think this conversation is really interesting because when I take a step back and I look, I'm like, that's not actually coming from men. It's coming from older women. It's your mothers and your aunties being like, time is ticking. Your biological clock. You know, they love to run the biological clock, which I'm not saying is not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying it's not a thing, but I'm just like, actually, no man is pressuring me to get married. 
But I think, okay, so although women are agents of misogyny, I think ultimately misogyny was set up to benefit men. So even though it's women that are telling you or me or whatever, like other women, or, you know, we need to get married, we need to hurry up and like have children because otherwise we'll be too old, etc. Like, even though those are things that you can kind of look at it and be like, oh, you know, if you're a woman, why are you telling me like we're on the same, like we're meant to be understanding of each other's um, situations and stuff and this mm. is not something you should say as a woman, etc. Like, it still benefits men at the end of the day. Mm. This is all to, like, we're all kind of, like, the, we're all playing the same game to, like, yeah. to find us, like... I don't know how to explain it. I think that ultimately, like, this is about men. Like, even though women are, like, some women internalise misogyny and then they regurgitate, like, those kinds of ideals and so those kinds of toxic expectations, mm. I think at the end of the day, the people that are propping up the system and this and the people that the system benefits are young men or men in general, mm. you know? Because the reason I say that, I think it's so interesting sometimes when, like, you know, auntie will be like, oh, you need to get married soon, you need to do this thing. And I'm literally like... I've literally seen your marriage. Yeah. There is nothing about it that is appealing. Like, the, the idea that it's just like, oh, you know, like, when I was your age, I had done this and I had done that. And I'm just like, that is not a good example if you're trying to get me to get married because I'm like, so many of, the, like like you said, because they were limited. I don't mean as in limited for choice in men. Mm. I just mean, like, limited for choice in being like, this is what I expect from a partnership or this is what I expect. That I'm like nothing about your lifestyle is appealing to me like why would I want to rush into that because you know the security that I think they were able to get from that which I think was mostly financial I think although women nowadays still want that in their partners I think like we're also like to be honest like I can make my own money but are you there for like the emotional and the mental support like Mm -hmm. if you can't do that like I think a lot of us are like we're not here to be building men like mm-hmm. we're not here to be babying men like I'm a full-form person come as a full-form person and then we can figure it out together yeah like I think I, that- I'm not getting with someone to baby them to then have a baby with that baby True. that doesn't make sense to yeah. me and I'm just like when but women I mean- and like aunties and stuff are like perpetuating that I'm like I don't I don't get it what's the appeal but I think also the idea of like the whole concept of marrying for love, like you meet someone, you're like, oh, you know, like this is Bay, I love him, I'm going to marry him. Like even that in itself is a privilege because I don't think that like even that long ago women were marrying for those particular reasons. Even the concept of like marrying because you love someone, you fell in love and this is it. Not that people weren't marrying for love, yeah. but like women had different priorities yeah, at the time. Fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like not everyone was marrying for love. Like, yeah. you know I what mean, I mean? Most of yeah. the time you married someone because there you were like okay so is this man gonna promise to take care of me Mm. and my children that I'm gonna have in the future does he have a stable job like if those were the criteria and if they could fulfill those criteria that was it like you got married (laughs) keep it moving yeah not keep it moving like yeah keep it moving to the courthouse but then also at the same time though I think don't you think that like women from previous generations like our mothers our grandmothers like they had abundant love in other areas that maybe like we don't Ooh. You know what I mean? Because like, we come from a society now, like even like um, modern society, Western society, I don't know like if it's like more of a time thing or like a location thing, but there's such an overwhelming 
pressure to find like romantic love and there's this idea that romantic love is the end all and be all, all. It's like yeah. the cream of the crop like yeah. that's the type of love that you're aspiring to but then when you think about like when I think about the society that my grandma for example grew up in mm. there was a lot of love it might not have been like oh yeah me and my husband I love and this is yeah. it like it was more like, oh, you know, you got love from your friends, you got yeah. love from your neighborhood. There was more yeah. of a communal. Yeah. Like, so even if you didn't get love in one way, you had it in another. Yeah. Which maybe I think that's quite it's kind of like the, like yeah. the balance has changed now. Yeah. Whereas like people are so busy, like in the modern, like for us, like we're so busy, we barely see our friends. Yeah. Like we don't have time. Like there isn't that sense of community as much as there used to be, I guess, or like there ever like Yeah, that's an interesting you know, way to think of it actually. I've never thought about it like So that. like the people that we expect a lot from are romantic partners. Mm. Um and Can maybe I... we expect too much from one person. I was gonna say, you know do I mean? you think following that that actually women then put too much expectation on men to fulfill stuff that I maybe they we used put to get too much expectation on men. I think that we need to keep the standards very high for yeah. men because they never. But meet I mean, the in fulfilling that, but in fulfilling it's difficult that to love gap. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to ex- like. I think that it's kind of unrealistic to expect that all the love, all the affection, all all that that you get, like to get that just from one person because like one human being can't do that for you all the time do you know yeah. what I mean? like you have to spread it out like to be you have to find like relationships with friends um yeah. that are loving because it's just healthy you know you have you have relationships with your siblings if you have any siblings or like family extended family just mm. other people in yeah. general like not just like one person or like men even yeah we can't, I don't think it's very useful for women to expect that from men because men don't really I don't like men haven't been socialized to like in the society that we live in men haven't really been socialized to love properly mm. you know what I mean and if we I are like, like waiting for men to love us we're going to be waiting for a long time yeah like not that you can't find love with men like I don't want to come across as that but I hope you understand <laughs> what I mean when I say like you can't expect to have everything from one person yeah no I agree with that and I think um I think it's like healthy to know yourself and like know the different things that give you love and like satisfaction and like happiness because I agree I think there's a danger when you put it all on one person so that's why I asked whether like we have an expectation of because I've met this person like they now have to meet this this and this whereas two generations before they would have got it from like a community of people mm-hmm. but I agree with that I think like women are socialized to be more sort of like emotionally open in a way that men are not allowed to be in our yeah. society so yeah, I think that was quite interesting. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I'm sort of like, you know, I think there is an, there is obviously a case to be made. The evidence is there where I'm like, many to be held accountable for like the ways that perpetuate like, I guess, suffering on women. But I think there's another angle that I'm like, actually, what role do women play in it? And like, what are the steps we need to take to unlearn that? Yeah, because it's, I think yeah, that, it's an internalized misogyny yeah, with women. I, it's yeah. like where like some women are agents of misogyny, like because they've internalized it because they have been held up to those unrealistic standards themselves. And sometimes I think, especially for older women, maybe like they don't know any better. Hmm. You know, what I mean, but like, what about I'm talking about our generation? Oh, now. Yeah. like what are the steps to take? Because I think also it's sort of we. I think before you even start, like quote-unquote teaching men to like mm-hmm. not be misogynistic I think like women need to be able to have that discussion within us like amongst ourselves yeah instead of like 
I mean, the onus is on men to dismantle patriarchy because it was a system that is set up to benefit them. So it was never us, you know what I mean? Like, it was never women. Been like, yeah, really. like, do you know what? I came to the world being like, I really want to be a mother and a wife. Yeah, yeah like, it was never women. Like, we've, like, this was all set up, like, you yeah. know, to swindle us. Yeah. Um. So I don't think it's women's responsibility to teach men anything. I think it's men's responsibility to give up privilege in order for this world to be more equal, mm. in order for everything to be more equitable. Like, it's mm. up to men to understand that. It's, and also, misogyny and patriarchy doesn't benefit men either yeah i agree you know what i mean like it's also setting men up to fail one of the things i've literally come to the conclusion of is like the whole thing is a scam for all of us yeah like just every like i know it sounds so mad when i say this but i'm like everything is a scam because i think we both perpetuate like really unhealthy maybe not unhealthy i'm gonna say like unrealistic unrealistic expectations of what an individual human should be doing yeah like i think that you know for example i'm gonna go down like that money route and like financial security and stuff where you know i'm the kind of person i'm just think as a person like you should go out and get yours like i think you should learn how to be sustainable that's just me mm-hmm. i think there's an also a weird thing at the same time where it's like you like patriarchy doesn't benefit anyone in that sense because i'm like now i'm out here waiting for a man to be financial like financially secure to take care of me he now feels pressure to be financially secure to also take care of i'm like where we could just have an honest discussion and be like this is what i'm getting this is what i'm getting can we do this or not Mm -hmm. like i don't know i think there's like a lack of honest conversation between both parties but i think i'm going off on a bit of a tangent that's probably another conversation sorry (laughs) but yeah like i don't know i agree i think like the whole system is a scam for both men and women yeah yeah ultimately it benefits men yeah no I think yeah no I think I agree like it benefits men more than women because I think that's the other thing or like even saying like men like it's such a catch-all phrase like certain men don't benefit like are are also suffering under patriarchy and hyper-masculinity so yeah I think specifically it's like if you're a heterosexual yeah cis like man who um, outwardly like is like very quote-unquote masculine yeah it might like benefit you it's set up for you but like if you're and like if you're a male if you're a man who's who's like more feminine presenting if you're queer like is if you're trans like is yeah like it's not benefiting you either yeah yeah i agree with that actually because i think the other thing like sort of going uh, i guess kind of down that route as well is like i think i see that a lot especially in like religion and that's why at the beginning when I was talking about the whole like conflation, especially in like you have a culture of like religion and culture and tradition and stuff where like there are certain things that I'm like, you spew it out like it's facts, but I'm like, let's question the thing. Mm-hmm. Because even when I'm like, even like certain parts of the Bible, I'm like, this is not a benefit to me as a woman, <laughs> like at all. Like I'm talking from like a Christian, I don't know if it's the same with like Islam as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't know the Quran like that, but there are certain things that I'm like, men love to like uphold and like perpetuate in the bible and then i'm just like actually sometimes as a woman i take back and i'm just like actually why am i on this thing because you guys are really out here trying to like put me down mm. based on this faith system that i think is meant to see me as equal yeah i don't know but then it's also up to interpretation it's like the people oh, who agree. have access yeah. to like religious knowledge the people that are like the priests or the pastors or the people or the imams like the people at the top yeah. of these like established like re- of these organized religions yeah. are always going to be like are men 
all yeah. the interpretations and the translations of Bibles or Qurans or, mm. or what have you has all been by men. It's like always... So these religious texts have been siphoned through the eyes of men into like societies and communities. Do you oh my know God, what I mean? Yes, like, I love that you said that because I think that's a thing as well when... And everyone always gets on me like when I say this where I'm just like, I don't understand how like people read it and like don't take in the fact that it's like contextual and written by men. Like, and I'm getting like, like I said, I don't know Quran like that. So I speak for Bible where, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to not think about that when I'm reading stuff mm-hmm. as if it's not written in a time. Everyone's like, no, but you know, it was man. No, it was like God writing through man. And I'm like, yeah, but he was still writing through man. <laughs> like in the same way that like, it could be the same. If myself and a man, are like talking about the same story. Maybe the way we'll say it is different mm-hmm. because, and that's not uh attack on anyone. That's just like, yeah, we have different perspectives because of the way we navigate. Like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, there's a whole thing. It's like her side, his side and the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like you have to, I don't want to say take it with a pinch of salt because I'm going down territory that I'm not trying to go down now. But I think like there's so much that perpetuates sort of like, putting women down yeah and i think ultimately it's because these like it's because societies are old like above everything else like is a is misogynistic and is like we all operate under under patriarchy and so therefore if you take a religious text even though it might it must it might say the same for men as it does for women the only thing that's basically taken into consideration is what it says about women Mm. you know the negative it was negative yeah for example in islam the idea of hijab or the idea of being covered, being modest, goes for men and women. But when you talk oh, about these like mainstream topics about, oh, you know, who's the person who's covered? Like, I mean, there's different rules and regulations yeah, for men yeah. and women. But it, like, hijab is more like an attitude or an outset, like rather okay. than it is like a physical garment. Okay. It's a is a is a way of being, is a way of behaving, is a way of carrying yourself, mm. and that's equal for men and women. There are mm. rules for men as much as there are for women. But when you t- when you think about like the people having these discussions about hijab, it's always about women and or you know if as a woman are you modest enough? As a woman are you covering yourself? Mm. As a woman are you are you like acting in the way that would uphold these ideals that god has set for you although like these ideals have been set for men too no one talks about men yeah. like oh you know are you behaving in a way that's modest and that's um respectful you yeah. know what i mean like so it's never really used as a weapon against men yeah. but it is used as a weapon against women even though when you go when you get down to like the actual nitty-gritty of the text it also there are also rules that are set out for men yeah like there are rules on hijab that Muslim men also have to follow. There are certain ways that Muslim men have to act, have to behave around women, have to dress that just as much as there is for women. Yeah. But these discuss like it's, whenever people talk about modesty, it's always something that's weaponized against women. Yeah, always. It's always, always said about women, or you know, you're not yeah. doing enough to be modest. You're not doing enough to be covered, or you know, you like the honor of your family, the honor of your religion rests on how rest you look. On, yeah, exactly, rests on you as a woman, but yeah. it doesn't on men. Yeah. So I think it's also about the way society uses religion or weaponizes religion yeah. against women. Yeah. Rather than maybe religion itself or the text itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I have no answers or solutions at the no, moment. Me, I feel like neither. it's, yeah, I feel like it's just a thing that like women have to be, and I say this, like it's really hard because I know I I would say, to be honest, I've only started like realistically going through the pro- process. I think there's one thing to think and to know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I think there's another thing to like act with the bravery to be like, I'm going to live my authentic self and mm-hmm. like take it or leave it. But I think like 
sort of as we wrap up, like one of the questions I wanted to ask you was if you were going to like speak to young Oman about like what it's going to be like, you know, stepping into womanhood and stuff, like what's one thing that you'd tell yourself? Uh, um, I'd probably tell a young Oman to take it easy. I think that mm. pers- for me, this is also, this is like very personal to me, but I think that if anything, I put so much pressure on myself more than anyone else. Like my expectations for myself are so much higher than the expectations that other people have of me. Mm. So I think the main thing I would tell a younger woman is to be kinder to myself mm. and to uh, and to validate my own feelings. Like mm. I don't think that as when I was younger, I validated how I felt to myself you know mm. like I, well, I used to trivialize, trivialize my own problems to the point where I kind of would convince myself that you know there was nothing wrong even though there was yeah um in terms of like my emotional wellness and stuff like that so I would definitely t- tell myself to take it easier on myself and to be kinder to myself yeah. to be my own friend first before yeah. I try to be other people's friend not in a way like oh you know like no <laughs> new friends like not that but to be kind to myself the same way that I'm kind to other people yeah um yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. I think that's, that's probably good. what I would say. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to wrap up there. Okay. Thanks so much it's for okay. coming Thank on. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel like there are so many other conversations we could have about this topic. And mm. I'd, <laughs> I'm going to put the invitation out there. I'd also love to have this conversation with a man. Yeah. If they want to come I think it would be interesting. I think it would be really as interesting. As long as they're not like kind of being like rude or like no I haven't got time for that or just being trolls for the sake of it no 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 like no trolls let's have like a mutual conversation please we're growing people now we're growing yeah thank you (laughs)